streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, when Barcelona was recently in Los Angeles, our Jenny Chu caught up with U.S. men's national team player Serginho Dest. They chatted all about his last season at Milan and his time with the U.S. men's national team. Take a look. A lot of people that are that think forward, you know, that are not just in the moment. You seem like that very um, thoughtful type of person. Think about the legacy that they will leave behind and what their current actions are doing to make sure that they leave that legacy. What do you want that legacy to be? Um, I just want people, you know, in the U.S. definitely to remember me as like one of the the best fullbacks they have ever had. You know, the one one of the most skillful fullbacks they have ever had, and you know, also to the whole world. You know, like I feel I have a lot of potential. Um, but sometimes a lack of consistency, you know, at club level. Um, yeah, but obviously, you know, it's a, it's a whole, like, path. And a lot of things happen also in your private life and stuff, so it's, sometimes it's difficult to concentrate. Um, but yeah, I think, like, my priority is just show the best version of myself and <clears throat> that people will remember me when I'm done. You mentioned that aspect that a lot of people who haven't been players or haven't been around players don't really understand. They forget the human aspect. Yeah. If you could speak to those people that don't really understand, how would you kind of humanize your experience? It's difficult to, to tell them, you know, because they always have something to say. Um, but they don't understand that we also have a private, like, a private life like theirs. And for example, for us, when we're done with our job, you know, it feels like we're not done, you know? Like, for example, in our private life, people want to take pictures, people want to ask you questions. If you go to a party or something, people want to talk about your job, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not the same when you're just having a regular job, you know? Like, when you have your private time, people don't ask you about your job life, kind of, you know? And with us, it, it continues 24-7, you know? Obviously, it comes with the, with the job, you know? Obviously, we get something in return that is also really nice. Um, but mentally, it's always really difficult, you know, because sometimes, like, you you cannot have a mental breakdown, you know. It's it's almost impossible, you know, because you have to stand there for, for your club, you have to represent people, and, um, yeah, sometimes it's just difficult because people don't know what's going on. The only thing I can do is kind of laugh about it, you know, like social media makes a lot of memes and funny things as well, you know. Uh, but yeah, I feel like you, you shouldn't be focused too much on social media, you know, because if you do that, that's gonna go in your, into your head. Obviously, you know, I've uh, accomplished quite a lot, but I'm not satisfied yet. You know, um, I'm playing for like uh, the biggest club in the world, you know, but um, I played here for like two years. I went to Milan, it's also a big club. 
but I just want to kind of create my legacy, you know, and try to give my best versions to the people out there. You know, I feel like I haven't done that yet in some moments I have, but I feel like I have uh, a lot more to 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 prove and, and to show. Um, and I think it, it, it starts with me being more consistent. So I know what to work on, um, but now it's, it's, it's on me to do it, you know. If you could just have a message to young players or just young people that are in that difficult moment when you felt like there was no way out. Now you have an opportunity to prove yourself, but in that moment, in the worst of it, what would your message to them be? Um, I feel like in the worst moment, it's the moment that you gotta work the hardest. You know, like uh, that's the moment when you can work in silent, nobody is watching you. And then whenever you get your opportunity, you gotta make sure you, you, you're there, you know, because also a lot of people um, don't work in that time. That when they get the opportunity, they're not fit enough. Or they have excuse like, yeah, I didn't play for so long, but that's your only opportunity, you know? So I feel like you should be prepared for that one and make yourself prepared for that one. Even if it takes one year, just train one year, you know, that opportunity will come and you gotta be ready then. So. Let's talk about the Nations League a little bit because you had such a great showing and after struggling, and we'll get into it, at AC yeah. Milan, to kind of come back and feel that revival and feel like yourself out there and have the ability to prove yourself. What was that whole experience like? It was an amazing experience, you know, because obviously everybody saw that I had a really difficult uh, second half of the season in Milan. Uh, but I used that time to work on myself, you know, and I never gave up. I always worked on myself. I always made sure that when I get the opportunity again, I'm ready for it. And I think that I showed that, you know, like uh, we played against Mexico, like. I didn't play for, I don't know, two months, three months, you know. I didn't play one game, you know, only training. And uh, I just made sure that in every training session, I gave my 100, I gave 110 to, to kind of keep myself fit and make myself even more fit than the players that play, you know. Because I feel like when you're not playing, you can train on individual skills. And when you're in the field playing with a team, you can't because every three days you have a game, you know. So I was really focused. And I think that helped me, you know, to kind of set my base to whenever I get the opportunity to show myself. Uh, but you have to tell me about another moment that happened, that red card. I didn't fully understand what happened. I just want to know, come on, let's get it off the table now. You got caught. Yeah, I got caught, <laughs> but uh, you know, at that moment I didn't care, you know, I just wanted to make my statement as well. Like, okay, enough is enough, you know. And then another guy came to me, uh, I don't know him as well, and he pushed me in the back. So the first push, I, I, you know, I left it. And then he pushed me on my head, you know, and yeah, you know, when you touch my head, uh, then I get crazy, you know, so then I push them back. <laughs> then <laughs> then I, I get crazy. What do you prefer to play? Where do you feel most comfortable? Um, I mean, it depends who's, who's behind me. It depends, yeah, it depends who's behind me. It depends uh, what team I'm playing for, you know, like if, if people really working for me as well, you know, then fullback is not, like, I like fullback, you know, because I can go forward, I can also stay behind. Uh, but if I feel I don't get the, res the, the support, you know, when I go forward, uh, then sometimes it's difficult to go forward, you know, so um, it just depends. It's really difficult to say, I like both, I like both. <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. I feel so proud of you Thank in difficult you. moments. You know, you're so young, you have so much ahead of you, mm -hmm. but your mindset is there. And I can't Thank wait you. to see you have such a great season and continue to grow. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Okay, so since this interview came out, Jenny Chu has a follow-up for us on Serginio Dest and his current status at Barcelona. What can you tell us? Well, Michelle, there was an article out of Spain last week reporting that Dest's contract with Barcelona would be terminated if they don't find a transfer for him. That report was mistranslated by multiple outlets claiming that no one wanted him. I spoke to a source close to the player saying that that is untrue, that no one wants him, confirming that it was a mischaracterization. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense. The, every, everybody kind of ran with the story that nobody wanted him. It's Sergio. Excuse me, Sergio. That's top center back. Talk what, what are we back talking in, about? Yeah. In, uh, out of Nobody Ajax, Barcelona. Wants, he's at Barcelona. Yeah, it, it, it was very. It, it was strange. It almost didn't make sense. How about nobody's willing to pay? Right, the valuation. His valuation. Yep. Yeah. For mm -hmm. for for a player of his quality, sure, that's fine. But don't say nobody wants a Sergio Des when this this kid is. Obviously, supremely talented, as we saw in the Nations League and, semifinals and finals. And just listening to his interview with Jenny just now, it seems like hungry to prove himself, wanting to reestablish himself and say, you know, leave his legacy. They talked a lot about that in the interview. Um, I think he's just looking for that right opportunity to really continue to make that name and establish himself even further. He proved himself defensively in the mm -hmm. Nations League this, this past Nations yeah. League semifinals final. It was never a question of what you get from Serginho Des in the attack. Mm -hmm. Because right. as, a, as a right back or right wing back, so skillful, can beat anyone 1v1, great service, but you always question, can he defend 1v1? How can he, when you're playing against Alfonso Davies or Tejan Buchanan, defensively, how do, you, how do you recognize that? How can you make big, big time stops? In the Nations League, he showed he's got that quality to, to defend 1v1, anticipation, his positioning, tactically sound. And for me, he, he shows that he's got the quality to play at a club like Barcelona. The outlet that originally uh, released that um, report has actually uh, adjusted their reporting to say that Barcelona is actively shopping him. And well, I think it brings it, it up a great sense. question. It brings up a great question as to where he fits, mm -hmm. especially with what we're saying. You know, is he going to go somewhere where, like a Tim Weah, where he was being sort of ventured around the pitch trying to figure out what the right position That's is? That's what happened to him kind of at Milan at, right. at one point. Is, it gonna be, is, it, is he going to be able to find an opportunity where he can provide that sort of same position that he plays for the U.S. men's national team and show growth in that position? Because I think we all agree we want to see a player like Serginho Des play week in and week out. He's of that ilk. He's of that quality. Can he find that? It's clear that maybe Barcelona doesn't have him in the plans to be a week-in and week-out starter, but he is quality enough to be that Chami, in a European Chami side. Xavi didn't have him in his plans. One of the main reasons that Barcelona, he ends up at Barcelona is because Coman doesn't get him for the Dutch national team, right? Coman clearly liked Serginho Dest, mm -hmm. and it was this whole battle when he was at Ajax, who's he going to pick? And he ends up choosing the United States. And it was when, huge that when, he chose the U.S. And when mm -hmm. Koeman got hired for Barcelona, one of his first signings is Serginho Dest, and once the Koeman era was over at Barcelona, Xavi didn't prefer mm -hmm. Dest. I imagine he still doesn't prefer Dest now. He got center backs that can play right back. Mm -hmm. he, he has a little bit of depth in that position. And it makes sense that Barcelona are shopping him, and, and he probably wants to move on to somewhere that he can play. Um, obviously, if it's Barcelona, even better. But in reality, it, I'm thinking somewhere... I, I don't know, but I'm just thinking somewhere... Uh, anywhere La Liga could suit him. La Liga Absolutely. or Bundesliga. I think he'd, Bundesliga he'd would do be great really well too. Bundesliga. Because at Ajax, he was phenomenal. Even in Champions League, he was phenomenal, yeah. which is why he got that move to Barca. But he... He is a right back of, of the, the highest quality in the attack, and defensively he's showing now 
that he's capable of defending 1v1. You know where else would he was needs to find the right, the right coach and the right club. Yeah. Because tactically, again, it, it just goes to finding the right fit. He was also incredible in this interview. And actually, yes, the, 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 <laughs> I no wanted problem. to talk about this interview. Yeah, go ahead. When he actually talked about getting the red card in Nations League, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I like that attitude. Yeah. He's like, yo, they got at me. I'm going to get him back. I kind of like that. That showed a little bit of grit that sometimes when you see him on the pitch, he doesn't, it do, I don't think you don't see that switch in him sometimes. And I think you saw it in the in Nations League. And for him to follow up and say, hey, they hit me in the face, I'm going to hit them back in the face. I like that. If I'm a coach, I'm going to be like, yeah, this guy's got the right attitude. I also, <laughs> you know I what I mean? No, he, re he regrets it. I'm he sure. Doesn't want to get a red card. But also, but you don't just, want to get a red card, no. but I like that. Of he, like, yeah, I'm a, a fighter. Yeah. yeah, I'm a fighter. There's I, a it's, human it's being your biggest there. rival. You want to make, you want to make sure that in that moment you're showing we're not scared of you. Exactly. And and hey, we're we're the top dogs. Right. But there's a line you can't cross. I also they hit him in the face. <laughs> I'm, I agree with you. You shouldn't have crossed back. But that for him to answer like, yeah, fine, I got caught. But hey, they hit me first. I kind of like that. That shows like a grit. I yeah. want to get out there. I want to fight for this nation. I also liked the humanization aspect of it, and I think that he did hit on a good point. Is and it's true, when you're a footballer, you're a professional athlete, any, that's your job, but it's also so much your life to everyone else. And when you encounter other people, you kind of feel like, oh my goodness, I always have to be on. You know, you can never just be yourself and be quiet, like, you know, do whatever it is that you want to do and not have to worry about people taking pictures or swarming around you or whatever. So I found that interesting how he kind of grappled with that and, and just the adjustment that it's been because I can imagine at Barcelona, like, it's at the highest level because mm. all eyes are on you. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're not And then you're expected to perform. So, right, it's, it's all the same of thing those things. Yes. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's nothing different. You're at Ajax, the biggest club in Holland. You're under a microscope. Big expectations. When you're a professional athlete, you're under a microscope. Obviously, there's levels to that. Ajax, Barcelona. But that's the expectation. But I do think that it takes time that for some, there is an adjustment period to that. For, he, for others, he, maybe it he, comes a little bit more He understood from the very beginning. I covered his first um, training session with the U.S. men's national team, and he did his first interview, that scrum that the U.S. men's national team always does in, in, in practice, and he came over, he shook every reporter's hand, mm. and, he, and he does it often. Wow. He's, he's, he's polite, and he's, he's got his head on his shoulders, and, and you could tell by the way that he speaks, he's motivated, he, he's a smart kid. Great, and hopefully a very bright future ahead of him. Uh, plenty more coming your way on Morning Footy when we come back. Jenny is back with us for the latest in our headlines. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at Tuesday's Footy Fix, highlighted by a game at 2.30 p.m. on the Galazzo Network. Ricardo Pepe and PSV facing Sturm Graz. As I mentioned, that game is on Galazzo. Some other games to look forward to as well. As we head over to our very own Jenny Chu with the headlines. Thank you, Michelle. We start with some tragic news from Greece, where police officials announced that a 22-year-old man was stabbed to death during a brawl between AEK Athens and Dinamo Zagreb fans, ahead of their Champions League qualifier, which was originally scheduled to be played today. That match has since been postponed, with no return date set yet. 83 people involved in the clashes were arrested, with a Greek fan killed and six others injured. In transfer news, PSG has already said goodbye to one superstar this summer in Lionel Messi, and Kylian Mbappe seems destined to move as well. But the French champions could lose all three of its marquee players, with Neymar reportedly pushing to leave. According to multiple reports, the Brazilian star has asked PSG for a transfer, with a return to Barcelona reportedly being Neymar's goal. According to ESPN, Barcelona officials are torn about whether to bring back Neymar, who left the Catalans in a world-record $263 million transfer to PSG in 2017. According with... Following the reported agreement with Ajax for midfielder Edson Alvarez yesterday, West Ham has focused their attention on Manchester United. The Hammers have placed a double bid of up to $77 million in for both Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay. Wow. While McTominay's bid has been rejected by United, it's more likely that a deal can get done for Maguire with the two clubs getting closer to an agreement. Maguire lost the captain's armband this summer to Bruno Fernandes and might be looking for some more game time. According to multiple reports, Tottenham has rejected Bayern Munich's latest $128 million bid for Harry Kane. Bayern's third bid is closer to Tottenham's valuation, but is still $32 million short of the fee that Spurs are reportedly seeking. Kane is fresh off of a four-goal performance on Sunday. It's preseason action against Shakhtar Donetsk. Tottenham begins their Premier League campaign on Sunday against Brentford. Tottenham isn't the only North London club shooting down bids for their strikers. According to multiple reports, Arsenal have rejected a bid for Monaco for Faller and Balogun. The French club had a verbal offer turned down initially and have now reportedly had a formal written bid rejected. Balogun is coming off a breakout season on loan with French side Rems, scoring 21 league goals, and he most recently made his U.S. men's national team debut, helping the Americans win the CONCACAF Nations League final. Alexis, I know that you are an Arsenal fan. Would you like to see him stay at Arsenal, but... As a U.S. men's national team fan as well, would you like to see him leave to get more game time? I mean, that's a difficult, it's a difficult choice uh, because if you're Mikel Arteta, you've made it very clear from the beginning of when you came in that you wanted only people in the club that specifically would fight for the club, that, want, that are loyal to the club. And if he said he wants to leave, I get where Mikel Arteta's coming from, but my frustration comes in, you've just gotten your starting striker, just went down. You know, you you can do this by committee, but you've got a guy who's a 20-plus goal scorer. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little frustrated that teams aren't coming in at a higher valuation with, like, Rasmus Hoyland getting 73 million, if I'm not mistaken, for nine goals, and this guy's a 20-plus goal scorer. But it's a, it's a frustrating situation. I just want Balogun to play, and I want him to play a lot. So if he cannot play at Arsenal, we'll say, because mm -hmm. what Mikel Arteta had said, where could you see him go, or would you like to see him go? I, to me, he is of a Premier League quality, especially if you're a team, even like a Fulham, honestly, where maybe being a bit more direct and a bit more central just makes a lot of sense for a player of that of, of his quality. And they have Raúl Jiménez. I know, and I'm I'm, I'm simply talking right, about a, 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 a club of that level. Right. You know, um, it doesn't have to be like a Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool. It's just so frustrating to see because the the, the, the kids clearly got a lot well, of talent. It's been linked to Inter Milan. 
That, and he clearly, and the rumor is he wants to go. I would love to see him in Syria. He, mm -hmm. he would probably love that opportunity. Yeah, of course, especially with uh, Lukaku clearly not coming back. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a big opportunity a for him. And gone. Yeah, it's a big opportunity for him. I feel like uh, similar to Lautaro Martinez, or would you say they, they're both like nines in the box? I feel like they, would, they wouldn't complement each other well. You never know. True. And you never know until they're on the pitch together. I, I could see him linking up and playing with Lautaro Martinez. He's a goal scorer. Mm -hmm. And, and Lautaro Martinez, he, he, he likes to come underneath. He can play. They could play well off each other. And I think... And almost Lautaro Martinez being the, the reference point in Lautaro Martinez working yes, off of Balogun. A hundred percent. Lautaro works really well with a link-up guy. So I, I think Balogun can play that role. What is the Either next? way, he's, he, him playing at Inter Milan, it's a style of play where they're in, they're in control. Exactly. They're, they're the better team. You don't want to go to a, a lower Premier League team where it's long ball or it's, uh, opportunities are hard to come by. Right. You want to be in a position where your team's dictating the tempo. You've already done that at Reims. Yeah. Where they and are, played incredibly they're, well. They, they're a team typically fighting against relegation. He and... And his club were able to yeah, put themselves in a good we'll, position. We'll still yeah. completely change that club. Yes, absolutely. But I, I think he's proved a point where he's ready to take on a bigger challenge. So what is that next step for him as he embraces whatever this next challenge is, this bigger stage? Just quickly, what would show that he's taken the next step? I honestly think him putting his foot down and saying, no, either play me or sell me, I think mm -hmm. that is a step in the right direction for a player uh, at of this age caliber. and that it has scored the, as many goals. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back on loan. Don't send me back on loan. I want to go play. And I want to play. Yeah. Yes. I think that's huge. And, and it bodes well for the U.S. men's national and team as well. Yeah. Playing European football will also help. Okay. Yeah. Wherever he goes. Mm -hmm. More to come if on that. Be in Europe. When uh, we oh, return, continental football. Yes. Oh, we've got lots of lots of chatting still. Okay. When we Sorry. return, <laughs> it's okay. We're gonna chat La Liga next when we come back. <laughs> Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at La Liga opening weekend fixtures. Some ones to highlight for you. Athletic taking on Real Madrid. Seville taking on Valencia. And Hatafe taking on Barcelona. But an exciting weekend ahead for La Liga. And uh, you may look in the left end there. You see a little bit of a different logo. La Liga's hmm. rolling out a new logo this year. Hmm. Here's a look at the new one versus the old. Oh, never mind. We don't have a graphic of that. <laughs> it's me. Psych. <laughs> there it is. Uh, there it is right now. Uh, okay, the old graphic on the left, obviously, and the new one uh, on the right. What do you guys think? Uh, uh, before you guys answer, mm -hmm. I just, who did a better rebrand? 
Twitter or La Liga? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, La Liga. Both fails. <laughs> this isn't as much a fail. This I, is this is a you know it feels it. like a streaming no. yeah. it feels like a it, streaming team. But that's you know? like the vibe in Spain right now. They're like yeah, super Kings into yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I, I like the old logo. There's something same. iconic about the 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 sort of um, sphere. Yeah, the rainbow sphere around the ball. I'm not a fan of La Liga all being one word, bro. That's very like 2010. You know what I mean? Move on yeah, from I don't that. Love that. But look, I think everyone, every other club in the world, or every club in the world is, start, is realizing that their logo needs to be digital first, as right. opposed to the traditional. Everyone yeah. except Kilmarnock, who we looked at yesterday with the uh, handgun. Yeah, just, the, just like the that's World more Cup draw. Logo. We talked about, yeah, we went, we went at the yeah. 2026 Although, World Cup after that, now that they've shown how other, because it's yeah, three the, nations, the, the, the how everyone kind of, I'm like, now nah, I'm a huge fan of this, yeah. of the 26. It's difficult to get used to. This just feels, company, man. Yeah. yeah, this yeah. feels very, yeah, give, yeah, <laughs> give, me, give me money. Uh, this, this, in particular, this La Liga rebrand feels very like, we're cool, right, kids? You know? And it just, it's like, get a better product on the maybe, pitch. Maybe make it would have worked a little bit of yellow in there. And I would have. Why yellow? For uh, for Spain, the for yeah, flag. That's Just one thing I liked colors. about the other logo was that, that it, it had the all the little robot? colors the around. It was just yeah. like you know dynamic. Like, you know what I liked about that that rainbow sphere? It looks so dope on, on the, the sleeve. The yeah. badge on the sleeve. Mm -hmm. This is you're not even gonna see this on TV. It's just gonna look like a two messed up Nike. Switches. It looks like a Y. <laughs> Like a, or like a four. Yeah, well, I, I see it, I, I think, why? I actually I think, don't porque? mind it small. Porque lo cambiaste. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so okay. Uh, we were chatting about some of these games. Athletic taking on Real Madrid. Let's start there because Real Madrid, they lose Benzema this summer, but they bring in Jude Bellingham. How do we see this side lining up? How do you think they'll fare? It's, it's not like for like, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so you're still missing a top prolific goal scorer. Yep. Real Madrid are tip, typically always have the nine. Oh, there's one. To worry there's about one that. on layaway. He's in France right now, well, just waiting. Well, but, let's get but, there. And let's Bobby get there. doesn't want to play the nine. I know, I know. We'll talk about that's, that in a second. That's the thing. I, and it, but he, he is a goal scorer. He is a goal scorer, but he doesn't want to play the nine. No. And you have Vinny Jr., and he's not going anywhere. Mm -mm. And, and Rodrigo. Is, and Rodrigo. 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 in the wings. Rodrigo could move. Yeah. And he would have to right. if Mbappe came to the C team. Correct. But he they would still be the, have the to get a nine. Yep. That's so. Real Madrid are in, in a in a in a weird position because you brought in Jude Bellingham. Not that you needed another midfielder, but Jude Bellingham is obviously exceptional. They're they're deep in the midfield. Mm -hmm. They're they're going to control games, but they still need a goal scorer. Uh, they brought on this guy from Espanol, I believe. Ah, he was in the national team. They they brought a nine, a Spanish nine, but he's not top tier. I forget what his name is, um, but he's n not top. Tier quality. He had a stint at Real Madrid beforehand, early in his career, and then he was kind of like a La Liga man who was yeah. bouncing around a little bit. And now he's back. He had a he had a breakout season. Oh my god! Let me ask you guys I'm this: Where Mbappe shows up tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. He's you're moving Vinicius. Let's leave the nine alone. You're moving Vinicius to the right, putting Mbappe at left. Jose Luna. Oh, no, no, forget that, forget the nine. Jose Lu, forget the nine for a second. Jose, Where, will play, Jose Lu will play nine, I imagine. Forget the nine okay, sorry, for continue. a second. Where does Vinny go? Does he stay? Or that's does a, he, oh, you gotta move issue. him to the right? I'm just asking, what do you guys think? I think Vinicius Jr. stays in that On position. the left? Yes. And Mbappe goes? He's gonna be the nine. He's gonna have to be the nine. Forget the, the nine. Moment. Imagine there was I, a nine there. Do you think there. he's gonna play the nine? 
Imagine what Benzema was there. Where that's would you the, put Vinicius? I think that's the biggest issue that Ancelotti has. Mind you, and Ancelotti, I wonder how the players take it, knowing that he's gonna, it's his last year, he's going to Brazil at the end of the mm -hmm. year. Yeah. That might affect the, the dressing room, how serious everybody... I mean, obviously, they're going to have a, a high level of professionalism, but knowing that your manager, it's his last year, mm -hmm. there's... I, I don't know. The question it's, is... It's, what, very, it's a very difficult situation. What is the prototypical you, nine you, you, you would want to go after if you have... Vinicius and Mbappe available. That's the question. Do you force one of them to play the nine? Obviously, it would be Mbappe in this situation. Or do you go out and look for a nine? And if you do, is it a back-to-goal? Is it a uh, link-up person? Is it someone a bit more central? You, you, well, you can't, direct, I should you, say. you can't change to four in the midfield because it's too deep. And you have Kamavinga, Chumani, uh, Bellingham, and you have Valverde, Cruz, Cross. Uh, Modric. Modric still. So you still need to play with five in the midfield. Of course. 100%. In, in the nine position, maybe it's if you get Mbappe on a free, you can still invest and get a, a striker. Maybe not the top top, but someone who can play a role where they're not maybe relied on to be the, the number one goal scorer. Someone who's better at facilitating for Vinicius Jr. and Mbappe. Can I throw out a name? Go ahead. Um, okay, so here's what I would do. Okay. Mbappe on the left. Florentino Guerreros. No, you say, <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. I'll take it. Uh -huh. um, I'll take the paycheck as well. Yeah, as Vinicius, please play on the right. I know it's not perfect, and Fair. I love Vinicius. Uh -huh. I love Vinicius on the left. Lukaku has the nine. Not, you're not putting all the hopes of scoring on him. Obviously can provide in a pinch. Loves to play with his back to goal. Link up would be beautiful. A lot of defenders would leave him because you got Vinicius and Mbappe sitting there. So he'd have a lot more space. He'd have a lot more time in the ball. There's, I think there's, there's an overpopulation uh, of, of midfielders as well. You guys that, gave me no reaction. I mean, it's, I, I like the speculation. Uh, Lukaku, like... They can sign a nine, and I think they should sign a top-quality nine, but there's going to be players that are going to be unhappy because Mbappé comes. Rodrigo is top-quality. Of course. He should not be sitting on the bench. You know who else is top-quality and is probably going to be sitting on the bench? Fede Valverde. He is very good. Mm. And where that's, do you that's how you win championships. Where do you slot him Look into at the Manchester City. There's a number of players who are sitting on the bench that, are top, that are top-quality but that's how you chase Champions League. That's how you win Fair. troubles. You Fair. have to have depth and, and players who are pushing one another to, to be unhappy on the bench because mm -hmm. you want to push in. You can be unhappy as long as you're still bought in. As long as you're still Fede has been bought in for a while. He's already won. He's, he he should deserves be a starter, to yeah. start uh, somewhere. Ancelotti reportedly wanted Lukaku back in April. So there are so, there's something to that. Mm. That style of, I don't of mind nine, it. that style of nine, uh, to me, is perfect. And he'd probably be really inexpensive at the moment. Honestly, that is your, your best take and, in history. Well, and you get a little <laughs> It's a good point, too, because you get like a <laughs> I'm here for bad takes, bro. Check out the comments. You get a player that's, that's looking to prove something now, too, because he didn't end up where he wanted to end up initially, and, he, and, 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 he he, would have and to it's prove. been bad blood, and it's, you know, he yeah, thought he was going to go back to Serie A. It'll be bad blood very quickly if he doesn't prove himself immediately. Yeah. I feel that is out of all the fans. The scenario is Mbappe's there. You might not really get that spotlight that you're thinking. Uh, um, we have to take a break. <laughs> Speaking of that, when we come back, we're previewing <laughs> matchups in the Women's World Cup. We've got another update for you on the score. France with a 3-0 lead over Morocco. Plenty more when we return on Morning Footy. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Women's World Cup uh, currently taking place, obviously, right now. Let's take a look now at our matches that just happened and that are currently taking place. France with a 3-0 lead over Morocco and Colombia with a 1-0 win earlier over Jamaica. And as we look ahead to our brackets now, Spain taking on Netherlands, Japan versus Sweden. Australia will play the winner of France and Morocco. And England facing off against Colombia. So some very, very exciting matchups taking place. We kind of talked very briefly at the top of the show just about these upcoming matches and what you can look forward to with some of these teams. But let's begin with Spain and the Netherlands mm -hmm. and just these two styles and how they'll play off of one another. Jenny, do you want to take sure. this one? Um, styles. Very different. Yeah. Um, Netherlands, more physical. Spain. Okay. Oh, you were going to say that they're very similar. In, in, in terms of the way that they th play, midfield possession, Lique, Lique Martins coming in to the midfield, dropping in to yeah. be that, that trying to overload the midfield. They, it's, it's going to be a battle of who I has the gonna, ball more. You know, right, I, didn't, I could have asked that better. What will be the difference maker in a team that plays such similar styles, I think? I do think it brings up a great point, though. I think you're both right. But to Jenny's point, it's a, maybe there's a conceptual similarity, but when you look at it on the pitch, Spain, very, very different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's really important to note that Van de Donk will be out of the match because mm -hmm. of yellow card accumulations, and yes. she is like the linchpin of that team. Yeah. There mm -hmm. hasn't been a World Cup game where she hasn't played. I mean, she's a box-to-box. -box. She controls the possession in there. So without her, I don't know what Netherlands does because when you have someone that has been always that player for them and then they're out, that's very difficult. And that also, like, mentally you know, kind of spikes you out quite a bit. And I think that they were exposed... Um, in the match against South Africa. I know that we spoke about South Africa and I tried to give them their flowers as much as possible, but I think that that's one of the areas that they were um, exposed because on the counterattack, we saw over and over again Katlana getting the opportunity um, to take them on. And if I'm Spain, I am seething. I'm, I'm thinking, yes, I want that too. Drooling would be the proper term mm -hmm. there. Um, at the opportunity to get at that back line and see where the holes are. They were playing into the spaces. The speed was just too much for them. I mean, if I'm Spain, I'm taking a look at the game that South Africa put out, and I'm playing similarly. The blueprint yeah. there, for sure. It's actually, I mean, you brought up a great, a, just a great point. Danielle van de Donk obviously out for the Netherlands. Lauren James will be out for England. On the other, the flip side of that, like Australia gets Sam Kerr back. Like you're starting to see how these players and momentum is going to play a factor, I think, as obviously it gets the, t the team, there's less and less teams competing for the final. And I'm curious, just from a mental aspect, when Dan uh, Vanda Dunk, she is the backbone of that team mentally, how do you kind of pick up the pieces around that? You're, you're kind of going, you disagree. Well, not that I disagree. I just think the Netherlands have many pieces. Okay. Jill Roard is another phenomenal midfielder. Mm -hmm. Esme Brooks, I think, has really come on strong in this tournament. And, and Lika Mertens is, is a phenomenal player as well. Yeah. So they have other pieces. It's not so much relying on Van Adonk, who is obviously an incredible player. But this team, for me, is, is a sleeping giant. Okay. I mean, Spain is stacked. 
Yeah. You know, Hermoso, Bonmati, I mean, Pararuello. Para I mean, there's just a, it's an incredible amount of talent. And what I love most about Spain is, regardless of what 11 you put out there, they almost play as one amoeba. Uh -huh. it's, a, it's such a linked squad. It's something that, for me, is such a, uh, a breath of fresh air, especially in the, in the women's game, in a major tournament, to see the way they're playing. It's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I just think there's so much to put up with. I don't know how the Netherlands do this. Well, Michelle, that takes me, you know, you're mentioning those massive players that make an absolute difference on these teams, and all the players that are scouting them have their eyes on Sam Kerr and, and different players like Van de Donk. Um, I don't think Japan has that player. Obviously, they have their main goal scorer, Miyazawa. But Japan does play, like he's saying, as a unit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a way that there are different goal scorers. There are different styles of play. They, they have so many different options. I find them to be the most lethal in this tournament. I still have them as my winner. Obviously, they're playing against Sweden that knocked out the United States. But in overtime, in penalty kicks, um, their goalkeeper, Musevich, was the star player oh, in that match. Absolutely kept them yeah. in the game. But Japan is so clinical. We have seen them time and time again. I think they scored 14 goals to getting scored on once. Yeah. Um, she's going to have to come right. up big if she wants to keep Japan out of France, she scored another. Yeah, 4 nothing. Yeah. France over Morocco right now. Just going back to what you said for Japan, 14 goals in four games. Sweden has allowed just one goal, though, in four matches. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about these two teams facing off tomorrow. And I believe when we referred to this one, you said the biggest thing for Sweden was they just have to control the ball. They can't lose the ball because that was when Japan, they're so organized, they don't miss on those missed mm -hmm. opportunities. They take advantage of those opportunities. Well, you saw the way that the, the Swedes lined up against the U.S. women's national team. They, for me, they, they showed a lot of, of resilience mm -hmm. to not give, concede the midfield, although the U.S. adjusted tactically. Yeah. And so they also had to be flexible in the way mm -hmm. that they approached uh, the U.S. women's national team and not giving Alex Morgan spacing behind, not allowing Trinity Rodman, although she was very dangerous, to really get going into the attacking third. So I, I give this Swedish side because of the discipline and, and they do have the quality. They, they have, you know, Black Stenius didn't have the best game against the U.S. women's mm -hmm. national team. But they have size. Set pieces mm, is yes. where the Swedes oh, yeah. can really get after it you on those so I'd say that's obvious. their only advantage. I and mean, Japan, we didn't give them enough credit last time we talked about how good they are when they do have possession. They're not just a counter no. team. And they show that against Norway. You give them time on the ball, and they will yeah. hurt you. Uh, Japan is looking to me like the most complete team, at least as far as what I saw against Norway, I'm like, okay, there's a level I didn't think they had. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. I, I mentioned it on the other show, but um, in one of the matches, they had 20-something percent possession against Spain, and then they had 60-something against Norway. So they're able to do it both and to win both ways, but Charlie has absolutely nailed it on the head. Sweden's ability aerially mm -hmm. is going mm -hmm. to hurt them. And I don't know how, if you're Spain, uh, Sweden, sorry, you work around that. You're like, how do we get it so that we have the most advantage? You force free kicks, you force corner kicks, mm -hmm. you force all those situations mm -hmm. that you need. Um, but Japan is going to find a way. I, I just find them just intriguing in the way that yeah. they can figure it out. They're just so composed. That's what I think has been the biggest takeaway for me, just even from the group stage, watching them each game. Um, let's talk a little bit about England and Colombia now. England will be without Lauren James. We talked about just, you know, these impact makers. And this is a big one. Three goals and three assists for her so far. How big of a blow is that to this England squad? It's interesting. Yes, of course, it's a massive blow. Um, Lauren James has been coming into her own. This was supposed to be her tournament. Um, it's tragic that she has made that decision. Um, it was a very difficult play. But the team moving forward without her, I don't know if it's that big of a miss 
considering the depth around her. Okay. Considering the depth, the teammates that she has around her, um, as opposed to, say, another country that they completely and solely rely on her. Um, yes, she is the player that you, that you want there. Absolutely. If I'm still deciding on this game, I still have England going through, even without Lauren James, is my point. I think it's a massive miss. Yeah. Considering what she can do on the ball and as well as off the ball. But given that, I think they do have good depth. And, and Chloe Kelly is probably one that, for me, has to make a big impact. Also think Rachel Daly. Do we is, see her moving be, up, finally? Maybe Rachel Daly takes that role because she's so flexible. She can play left back. She can play attacking midfield. Mm -hmm. She can play, obviously, striker. So I do think they still have enough quality to, to get by Colombia. But Lauren... I mean, that's a, a massive loss. Massive loss. Yeah, and a really dumb play, to be honest with you. You yeah. don't step on another player's back, regardless of what happened before, because you're going to get caught. It's, you know, Has anything been decided? Uh, did we hear anything yet as whether what the final not, the, not the yet. length of the punishment will be or anything? For but sure, I, one match. Yeah, and the one match suspension, yeah. but then it's still looking but at it? Okay. I think in these moments, too, you learn about a lot about yourself and the bounce back. Mm -hmm. So... If it's only one match and they get by Colombia, I expect her to be even better, oh, even yeah. more influential. Chip on her shoulder, which which is is great for for this English side. All right, so we've got a, a score update for Morning Footy versus Attacking Thirds. Your brackets so far, <clears throat> how everyone's been faring, and you're still tied. <laughs> yeah. This is coming down to the wire. I just want to say, as the only Attacking Third representative on the desk, uh, this is misleading because you guys have the United States going into the final, which is not a possibility. Both of our finalists are still in it. So, so what, what's saying. misleading about it? Well, currently we're tied, but we're not going to be for long. Well, well, right now you're on morning footy, so well. you're on this side. You're on this team. I'm just saying. So you're failing. You can win no matter what. <laughs> okay, let's take one last look at the Women's World Cup brackets because France has officially beaten Morocco. Uh, I believe that game finished 4-0 uh, in favor of France. So now France will face Australia. England will face Colombia, Japan and Sweden, and Spain will face the Netherlands. Exciting matchups coming up. Guys, Great show today. We Lots of fun. Oh, Enjoy the rest amazing. of your day. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Machu Picchu. <laughs> <laughs>